Welcome to the Church Podcast, talking all things ministry so you can do church better. I'm your co-host, Chris Wesley, and I'm not quite yet joined by John Ronaldo. If you listened to our last episode, you know that this is a two-parter, and if you had to wait a whole week for the cliffhanger, uh, we do apologize. But without further ado, here is part two of Why Should We Open Back Up the Church for Mass? I hope you guys enjoy. So the second one, the second reason to open up is access to Eucharist. And uh, this is, okay, there's, this is my love-hate relationship with social media again, Chris. You know, it's like you see a lot of interesting commentaries about Eucharist and stuff like that. And we even, we've talked about it with Diana and Nick when we, in our previous episode, we were talking about RCIA during COVID and post-COVID and stuff like that. We talked a little bit about Eucharist on there. So Eucharist, we want people to have access to the Eucharist because we don't have access to it right now. And so I think that's a really interesting conversation to have because it sources summit, right. You know, of our faith. And, 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 and I can appreciate that as someone who's transformed by the Eucharist myself personally, like I can appreciate that. Am I missing the Eucharist? Oh my gosh. I can't tell you. Absolutely. I am missing, missing the Eucharist. So I think there's worth a question there is like, you know, is that a, is that a reason why we want to open back up? And, and what does that look like? What are your thoughts on that, Chris? It's so complex. I don't, I don't know if I can really articulate it, but, you know, this whole situation makes me think about um, a trip I took to Haiti several years ago um, with Nativity. Um, we went down to um, uh, this small community, Mo- Monarch, um, Haiti, and they had a Catholic church in the community and it was across this river. And the only way to get to it is you had to, you know, you had to physically walk through the river. And so um, they knew that we were a Catholic church and, and the organization we were working with, Fort Bridge, and, and they were like, you know, listen, we can get you to the church. However, there's a risk because there was a heavy rain the day before. The river was a much more ferocious than it was um, ahead of time. And, um, and uh, we, had, we had teenagers with us, you know, we had young people with us and we had older people with us and everything. And, you know, it was also advised that we don't split up the group, but the group was very split on like what to do. And it was like one of those things where um, one of the young adults that was with me, she was very distraught about it. And she said like, Chris, you know, there were people who died for the Eucharist, right? Like, why are we not willing to risk our lives for the Eucharist? And it's like, uh, I was like, man, I can't argue. And I told her, I was like, I can't argue with that passion. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, like also, you know, we've got, we, one, we've got to believe in, in the grace of God. We have, you know, sacrament of confession. There, there are, you know, things that we can work through this on. Um, and I, I said, no matter what decision, it's going to be a tough decision. Um, but, um, but and, I, and I'm going to leave people hanging and not tell you what we did. But it's <laughs> like... Um, because, you know, I don't want to avoid any judgment out there. Um, either way, was I a reckless youth minister by letting teenagers and older people cross this raging river? Or was I a bad Catholic for, you know, refusing the sacrament? But it's kind of like similar to the situation we're in now, right? Um, I think it all comes down to like, you know, yes, it is opening up church so that people can receive the sacrament of the Eucharist I think uh, a worthy reason, of course, of course, right? Because it's the most intimate way that we can receive Christ. But then again, who's going to take advantage of that, right? 
it kind of is similar to the money question of what was the relationship people had with the Eucharist before church stores is closed. Now for some people, um, even in devout Catholics, I'm sure, you know, like for me personally, I didn't realize how much I took it for granted, you know, um, even though I thought I was devout, I still took it for granted. Um, and, uh, so the fact that I have access to it, um, is a plus, but then again, it's like, um, you know, what's the risk that I'm causing? Could I get someone sick? Am I going to get sick? Especially since now there's still a dispensation, right? Like, I, I don't know about every diocese. I know with our diocese, there's still that dispensation until things fully open and back up. So like with the dispensation, am I a worse Catholic? You know, like if I, I refuse the Eucharist, you know, and uh, I think it really plays into a lot of that, um, personal sort of decision there um what i'm nervous about and i'm interested in your thoughts is like the reason we're opening up because we believe that everyone is going to just have this devout like you know they just want jesus or is it like a consumer exchange which is such a like a touchy subject right uh, to, to say consumerism in the catholic church right like we don't like to talk about that but it's a reality right um are there people who like it if well and we'll get more into this with community and the rest of the liturgy but so much of the liturgy has changed will will change with some of these guidelines that we've seen right that um you know like are we really getting the full mass experience or are we really just receiving the eucharist mm -hmm. yeah you know this is it is this is a complex topic you know because there are, are folks who devoutly want the eucharist there's a question of whether they know why they want it. That's a whole, whole other question that I don't even want to delve into, right? You know, but there's a whole, we know there's a whole subsection of, of Catholics who are probably going, eh, Eucharist, right? Whatever, right? You know, they'll still go to Mass, you know, for, 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 for the Eucharist and sacraments and the community and stuff like that, you know, but there is a, a passion on one side, there's a passion for Eucharist, but I guarantee you in, your, in that same church, there's the lack of passion around Eucharist on the other side. Now, what, what this has taught me is that I think we need to have more intentional conversations and catechesis about what Eucharist is. I don't think we're having that conversation enough because there is very much the consumeristic society. Now, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not judging or assuming that everybody who receives the Eucharist or wants the Eucharist is like, it's all about the exchange i show up and you give me something right you know that type of thing because i'm not that way and i know there's a lot of folks that aren't that way you know but i'm worried that people don't really understand you know what eucharist is all about and and my bigger fear is i don't want to turn the eucharist into a commodity right you know it's like and, and that is think is very real right you know the sacraments many of the sacraments are treated that way right uh I pay a fee, I receive whatever formation I need, I, I receive the, the sacrament, and then I graduate. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's consumeristic, you know, through and through. So it's not just a Eucharist question. It's, we can, we can analyze the, the, everything we do in church, you know, uh, around that particular mentality. But I always joke about Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday is not a holy day of obligation, yet it is probably the third 
third year, week of the year that's the most full in mass. Why? My joke is because we're giving something away. Right. <laughs> it's it's the giveaway theory, right? Like, right. you know, I've always said that every holy day of obligation should have a giveaway, right? Like maybe yeah. it's Mary statues or, you know, something like a, a I voted sticker, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, and uh, more people would come. Uh, yeah. But, but are we, yeah. but are, is that the message, right? That, that we want to convey? Obviously you're joking, Chris. Obviously not that because what we do at Ash Wednesday, what we do when we receive the Eucharist, what we receive the other sacraments is not about a consumeristic faith. My concern is that this experience of COVID is heightening this consumeristic reality around Eucharist. And, uh, and, and it was really interesting. I was uh, attending a streaming mass a couple of weeks ago from a parish in California. And uh, because, you know, you can stream anywhere, which is great. I could go to church, in, you know, at your church if I want to, Chris, right? So, um, but one of the things that this particular pastor said, which I really loved, he said, he did, he did this catechesis at the end. And he basically said, I, I'm sad that you're not able to be here, right? Uh, and receive the Eucharist. But we have to remember that's one of four modes of the presence of Christ in the Mass, right? So my question to you, and, and I took it as a challenge personally, you know, how I'm doing church at home right now is, how do you as a family at home interact with the mode of Christ in the Liturgy of the Word, right? Yeah. And, and how, in, in, certainly in the priest and in the community, that we are still gathered in a very different way. We're still gathered. But his point was we are so often focused on the single mode of Christ in the Eucharist that we forget that there are three other modes of Christ in the liturgy, which is the people, the priest, and the liturgy of the word, the Eucharist being the fourth. And he challenged us, he said, especially with the liturgy of the word, how are you breaking, how are you interacting with Christ, the liturgy of the word, and how is that just as life-giving as the Eucharist, Right. right. It was a challenge for me personally. And I'm like, okay, I got to do more with my kids. And, you know, Catholic guilt said it. <laughs> I started to do that, but, you know. But, but that's not just on you. You know, like one thing that um, our church has talked about is how to live stream or um, capture children's liturgy of the word. Um, mm -hmm. Like the idea that we're throwing out there. And if people want to reach out to me to talk more about like what we're doing is, um, you know, giving, um, telling parents like, hey, when you stream mass, like, you know, we'll give you a prompt where your kid can open up their device, put on headphones and do children's liturgy of the word while they're watching mass, you know, or you just, you do it at a separate time. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, yeah, how are you experiencing the liturgy of the word? Um, you know, um, if we open up, I, I'm sure children's liturgy of the word is not going to be a part of that. Um, so how do, is, is it accessible for young people and things like that? Um, but yeah, it, it, like I think, yeah, we forget that the Mass, even though uh, the source in the summit is the Eucharist, right? It's, it's not the only part of the Mass. It's kind of like, uh, I mean, you, you and I, we, we love hiking. It's, it's kind of like those people who hike all the way to the top and the other people who drive that road to the top, you know? Um, those of you who love to hike, you know that it's the experience, right? The journey to that summit where there's other people and, and no judgment against them. Um, a little bit, but not too much. <laughs> just you get in your car, you go to the top and you get that sticker. Like I mount, you know, I drove to the top of Mount Washington or, you know, Rocky Mountain National Park. And it's kind of like, ah, no, you didn't, you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, so um, even though the Eucharist is the source and the summit, um, there is just so much 
more to the mass. And um, I think when we make it just about the Eucharist, we cheapen the liturgy. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so I think it goes back to asking that question, okay, what's the relationship uh, that people had beforehand with the Eucharist? How can we better catechize people um, about the liturgy and experiencing it in its fullness, um, either physically or even virtually too, right? Like, um, are we just streaming mass with like a phone and just capturing, you know, what's there? Or are we really helping people go deeper into it? Um, and I think, uh, um, you know, I think that's something that we have to, that we have to talk about. Um, especially when you look at the certain guidelines, like uh, I know certain dioceses are saying no worship aids, you know, no physical worship aids, right? Mm -hmm. If you have screens, that's fine, but no physical worship aids. Um, you know, say, you know, um, you uh you can sit like this far apart or like you can do this you can do that there's there's kind of limited um movement depending on your diocese and so it really does come to the question of like okay then why is this important why is that not important and i think educating people on those things yeah and one of the conversations that i've had with one of my clients is they talked about well can we do a live feed of the mass in the parish hall and in the gym and we can get people in those three spaces the church the parish hall and the gym and then just find a creative way to do eucharist right you know which we, we look we we can do that we've done that we, we do that in lots of different ways you know in the past and so that's that's a logistic to think through right um but is that is that a positive experience for folks that that's just it, look we're just asking questions with this podcast and, and questions that I, that we want you to think through and talk about too in terms of of why we're opening it back up and so is eucharist a, a good enough reason to open up yeah i'm not going to say no to that you know uh, obviously you know, uh, I'm certainly looking forward to the day that I can get back in there, you know, uh, and receive Eucharist. And uh, me being in Nevada, I'm just, we're not there yet, you know, and, and it looks like it won't be in May at all, you know, uh, but but we'll see, you know, am I longing for it? Yeah, absolutely. But I'm also going to temper my uh, excitement around risk and around the, the other things that are, are reality to all this as well. So, uh, so that's an interesting conversation. And the third one, Chris, is is the reason to open up is for to bring the community back together uh look there's huge merit on that as well and and, and the people i've talked to and I, I reference this one of the conversations i had with my men's group is that some of the guys actually most of the guys in, in the men's group i was meeting with were much more wanting to go back to be together than the eucharist now you know Sure, judge us and say, oh, well, you should be there for Eucharist, whatever. You know, that, that's a side conversation. But the community is a huge part of who we are. Again, going back to the modes of Christ present in the Mass. And so there is absolutely a longing to get together again. I can tell you, John Ronaldo is going stir crazy right now. Uh, and and I'm, I am anxious and ready for things to open back up, to go out to dinner and to be with friends and to invite friends over. Like, I, I'm an extrovert, man. Like, I need, I need that, you know? And I think there's some interesting conversations about, okay, if the reason to open up is community, what does community look like with the recommendations and restrictions that are being put in place right now? Yeah, I I don't know. This one is the harder one for me to put my opinion on because, you know, I'm an ENFP, so I crave community, but I also crave authentic community. Mm. 
And so um, part of the thing that I struggle with, with all these phases, you know, whether we're talking in the church or outside of the church is, uh, and, and I blogged about this last week um, or the other week where um, we, and this is, this is a commentary even before quarantine is in the church. We're so good at saying we want relational ministry with conditions, right? Like if I may just kind of go off on a tangent about child protection, right? It's kind of like, let's accompany young people, but let's do it with, make sure that we have like a couple of adults. Oh, you want to share something authentic with me and something intimate? Hold on. Let me make sure that this is a safe environment. Right. And so like, the idea of um, the phases, you know, and not just going back to opening up with unicorns and cupcakes, right? Which is very liturgical, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. At least the cupcakes are. But, um, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of like, uh, for me, um, it's interesting because I don't know if that would be like in the way that we're doing it now or the way that it's presented, it, that doesn't draw me as much as the Eucharist does, right? Like, um, because uh, I, so, so yeah, I, I guess I just, I, I really struggle with this. And one thing John and I talked about is, you know, like before this is we have uh, opinions on this and, and but um, like as, I, as all of us do, I'm sure. Right. <laughs> on all of this, but like, yeah, where, where I struggle to answer that, that question of why and with community it's, it's because um, for me, my personality like I'd rather have no community than inauthentic community. Mm. Um, I'd rather have no relationship. I'd rather be alone than have, um, you know, structured relationships. And so, um, you know, that, that, that should weigh on, uh, that should be a leadership conversation, right? Like, why are we opening up? Is it for community? Okay. What kind of community are we offering? You know, um, I think there's also kind of, you know, uh, what kind of community are we offering? Not just because people have to sit, you know, you know, a certain distance away, but there are different recommendations out there, right? Like you have to wear masks. Well, if I have a two-year-old, my two-year-old's not going to wear a mask. Um, if I'm over 65, you know, is it really safe for me to go there? So like, you know, I'm a parent, I'm a child. Can I go without my parent? Can I go without my child? You know, it's, it's just, it, 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 it's, it's really messy, right? It's, it's, it's very um, complicated. Um, and so part of me would be like, Hey, I'll just wait for the cupcakes and unicorn time and, uh, and go back to mass, you know? So, yeah, well, and, and that's the question, right? So community, great. I want that so badly with the current recommendations of, of your diocese or, or whatnot. Uh, um, are you able to have that authentic community, right? right? We're six feet apart. There's no shaking hands. There's no hugging. There's no gathering beforehand. You can't gather afterwards. I'm hearing this is almost consistent across the board. Mm -hmm. As soon as you leave church, you go straight to your car and you leave. You do not stay, stay around. You do not interact, right? Um, and which is, is hard for me to comprehend. I, I understand the medical reasons why. To that totally makes sense. But in terms of the sense of community, I'm just like, how, how does this build community? But here's the other thing that, that I've been worried about is if, if people have to stand in line, you know, and there's a queue to get into church and they can only allow so many people in. And so if you're part of the group that doesn't get in or if you have to RSVP in advance or it's invite only, like what effects does that have on the community? There's an argument to be made that that can have actually a negative effect on the community. Wait, are you telling me 
that I wait, I got here 30 minutes early and I got mine, right? And, and did the whole social distancing and whatnot. And now you're at capacity and I can't come into church. Like how, how are, how are you and I prepared to respond to that? Which could very well happen. Now, maybe not the first week, you know, as I mentioned uh, early on, one particular parish I'm working with, you know, they, they, their recommendations restrictions where they can only have 50 people in the church building uh, and their first weekend open, they only had 36 you know, so yeah. that wasn't an issue. And, and uh, two of the parishes that have already opened up have both said people have been very cordial and understanding. The numbers were not high. I think they, both these pastors said there's, I think there's still a lot of anxiety, you know, folks wanted to come back and, and not sure about it, you know, so maybe it's not an issue, mm. but I, I, some of our bigger parishes, I could see it being an issue. Is that going to support and build community or is that going to tear it down? Like that's, I don't know the answer to that because we're so new to this still, but it's fresh. It's a concern of mine. Like if we open back up, are we actually going to build that community or is there a potential of tearing it down? I think that's a real question. Well, and it's also like how many liturgies are you going to do? Like how many masses are you going to do? Like, um, you know, what's the wear and tear on um, your people and your resources, you know, um, like, those are things to take into consideration. Um, yeah, I, I think like um, it, it could become easily the haves and the have nots, you know, like, do I get to go every week um, because I'm a Eucharist, you know, I'm a Eucharistic minister or I'm the lector, you know, like, or I'm on staff, right? I'm on staff. So I'm in charge of streaming. So right now I have a lot of accessibility that people don't, you know, right. and, um, and you know what, like, uh, there's guilt. There's guilt that I have um, because my family does not. Um, I do. And that's going to be the case, right? Like moving forward, if we continue to live stream and open up, I'm, I'm going to go to mass every single weekend. My family, probably not. What kind of, is that healthy for my family? I don't know. You know, like um, it, it's going to be a lot of conversations with my wife and I, my wife and I might be on the same page, but my sons, right? They're going to see like, Huh, how come dad gets to go to church, but I don't. So it, it, like when you ask that question, okay, like why do we open up, you know, and community plays into that factor. Like, how does this, how does this help us as a parish community, um, you know, grow from that? I mean, you know, here are a couple of things to take into consideration too. It's not just like how many times you do mass or um, how many people can fit in, but like how it's being communicated to the congregation. And that comes back to your database, right? Because there are some people who are going to hear word, word of mouth. Oh, Saint so-and-so is open. Um, I just have, to, and they're going to think I have to wait in line. But what you've communicated through your parish newsletter is no, 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 no. It's a sign-up system, right? Like I've heard some parishes do like a ticketed system and everything. Um, and then it's also like, if you do a ticketed system, you know, um, uh, you know, who, who's monitoring it so that someone's not just putting in fake names, <laughs> you know, and, uh, or like, Getting all, the, getting all the deceased people from the database and you're like oh they're they're in here but you know but anyway um my point is yeah it, it it i mean this is all messy and therefore it's not a reason not to or or to do it it's just things that you have to have these conversations about because um there's gonna be consequences just as at the same time the longer we stay closed there's gonna be consequences the the one thing though you know, that I want people to take away 
is that whether or not you decide to open this weekend or next month or whatever, it's also, also a time to talk about, you know, what do we be, what can we be doing with our live stream, with our community outreach, with these other aspects of parish life to strengthen it, right? Because if you're putting all of your eggs in the weekend liturgy basket to, um, to like determine the health and the sustainability of your parish, then I think you're missing the point. So while this, while liturgy and opening back up is going to be a messy conversation and, you know, in my opinion, there's, you know, I'm not going to criticize or, um, or judge people for or for not. Um, but I think at the same time, you have to look at the other areas of your parish and say, okay, how can we improve these? Because it's a holistic approach. Right. Well, and that's been the blessing of this time. We've had to find new and innovative ways to minister and, and form people and connect and build community. And that's been, quite honestly, that's been fun to watch, you know, mm -hmm. because I love the creativity, right? It, when you have a sense of urgency, uh, you know, that's, that's where the creative juices flow. Quite honestly, that's how human beings have survived this long because in, in the face of turmoil and change and resistance, we have found ways to adapt and be flexible and change, which is why we're at where we're at today, you know, in, in terms of human beings, in terms of human nature, right? <clears throat> that is something that's wired in human beings. And so there's nothing like a good crisis to force you <laughs> to, to change and look at things much more critically. So, you know, I go back and, 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 and just reflect on that, that there's a lot of hope, a lot of great energy that's coming from that. Um, but we need to ask the question why. Coming back to where we started at the beginning, Chris, is, is why. Before we get caught up in how and the what and all the restrictions, we need to ask why. There's no right or wrong answer to this question. I just want people to ask it, right? And, and you may come up with some other things besides the three that we came up with money, access to Eucharist, you know, community, and there are likely other things. And if there are connect with us, cause I'd love to hear that. And kind of what are the conversations that you're all having a last point, just to consider as we begin to wrap up, which is likely going to be a two part episode here that we're going to split in half, right. Is um, then is the question, are all the restrictions that and recommendations that are being placed? Is it worth the time and energy? Right. You know, there is it's you know, bigger parishes with lots of volunteers, maybe no problem. Like we can get the, the, the people power to get all this done because we're talking substantial. Right. We're talking about cleaning the church down completely between masses and watching the doors and doing all that, you know, uh, and the amount of uh, the amount of organization that's required to keep social distancing and block off pews and things like that. Uh, is that do we have the people power to be able to do that? And is it is is that is it too much of an obstacle to be able to really do it? Because look, if you have these recommendations in place, if you can't enforce them, then then there's no reason to pursue it, right? So you have to figure out how can we enforce these recommendations from our diocese and from the state. And if we can't do it, we need to have a serious conversation about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not just why, but how is a huge, huge question about that. And it's not challenging necessarily what the medical or, um, you know, uh, other people who are making these decisions, it's not to challenge and say, well, we don't need masks or we don't need sanitizer, you know, just to use two as an example. 
but it's just to say, okay, this is what they've recommended. Like, how are we going to make this happen? How, like, do, like, how are we going to make this happen? And how are we going to accommodate our parish? Like, uh, if you had five masses beforehand, do you like, do you have the ability to go back to five masses? If not, you know, it goes back to like, okay, we do one or we do two, you know, and it, it, you revisit that question. Why? Like, is this really important? Like, is this really the best decision now based on our limitations of resources and, um, and personnel to, to pull this off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so hopefully that gives you good food for thought to bring to the conversation, ask that question. Why? And, and, and I'll give you permission to ask the question. Why? Like you need to ask the question, why, why are we doing this? And, and again, we are not recommending one way or another. I, I, I can safely say, Chris, that we probably came off of, probably sharing a lot of obstacles and restrictions that make us that maybe make us sound like we should be saying no we shouldn't do it but but i think we need to have a critical eye and really think that through and that decision's up to you because every parish every diocese every state has a unique reality to it that we there's no way that on this podcast that we could address all those specific unique realities what's happening in new york and california for instance is very different than what's happening in the midwest it's just it's mm -hmm. night and day difference. It's apples and right. oranges. Right. Right. I mean, if you're in, in a rural area where COVID has not been a huge impact, like these are different conversations than, right, like a, a New Yorker or California-based um, church. Because, yeah, there's a lot of different factors that go into it. And, you know, um, and the other thing, too, like I guess there is actually like a fourth area that I'll just throw out there for people to think about is another reason why you might or might not open is based on your emotion. Right. You know, and we talked about this before a little bit. Like, is it fear? Is it, you know, just being stir crazy? Um, you know, is it um, is it because like, you know, you just really feel like you want to bring your community together? Um, you know, all are legitimate things to, to tackle. And if you're the leader, it, it's an, this is an important area to do a gut check and also to be tran fully transparent with your staff. Um, because, uh, you know, like, I, I think this is a time to really talk these things out and, and hash them out and, and also to, to make sure that they're on the same page too. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it, it seems like we just listed a bunch of obstacles for people, but um, really the reality is we want to make sure that you make the best decision possible and that you're equipped to uh, handle any of the pushback or any of the momentum that, that's going to come with making your decision. Uh, so so just know that you guys are in our prayers and, and that, uh, you know, we're there for you. And, you know, you might need some additional consulting or coaching. And that's why you can reach out to John and Parish Success Group. Um, and uh, before we kind of close here, John, any additional thoughts or final thoughts? Make sure that you allow space with your leadership, with your staff to, to, to to allow people to disagree and to have a safe conversation because you to your last point chris about the emotion right people are all over the board with the emotions around this some folks are no fear like let's just open back up like you know no worries and some are like oh you know i'm high risk and so you need to make sure that there's space in your staff and in your leadership to have those open, honest conversations that are non-judgmental and that are really encouraging so that we're hearing all perspectives because if you're hearing dissent within your own leadership and your own staff, that is mirrored 
by the community. The community is, is, has that same type of opinions. And so make sure you got that safe space to have those real honest conversations about this particular topic, because this is, this is controversial. And I understand this and this is emotional. There's all sorts of things to it. Uh, and so that safe space, that safe culture is essential. Definitely. Definitely. So again, if uh, you need additional uh, help on this and, and uh, um, for your, your parish, uh, highly recommend John and the parish success group. Uh, not just because he's a friend um, and uh, they're sponsored, but uh, uh, yeah, John, if people want to reach out to you, how do they get in touch with you? Yeah. Check out parasuccessgroup.com. Uh, all of our information is there. Uh, and of course you can connect with me uh, at, at John Ronaldo, but also on Twitter, we have, uh, we're being much more intentional about our social media presence with Paris Success Group. So uh, we have at Paris Success Group uh, and on Twitter and then follow us on, on Facebook as well. And you can find me at all things Marathon Youth Ministry. And uh, yeah, we haven't even talked about when we open up for faith formation yet. And I'm sure that's a subject we'll ta tackle um, down the line. But if you have questions or comments or want to get in touch with me, uh, all things Marathon Youth Ministry, marathonyouthministry.com. If you want to shoot us an email at the church podcast, questions at the churchpodcast.org. And uh, of course, visit our website, thechurchpodcast.org. And we would love for you to leave a five-star review on iTunes or anywhere uh, this podcast is heard. Um, John, always a pleasure to uh, have these conversations with you. Um, can't wait for us uh, to gather in person, although it wasn't really quarantine that was keeping us apart. It's uh, <laughs> 2,000 plus miles. Yes. Uh, but anyway, um, John, would you close us in prayer? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Loving, gracious God, thank you for this, this medium that we can minister to folks and communicate to folks via, via podcast uh, to the world uh, and to the church, Lord. So thank you for this gift. And Lord, we, we just pray that what we talk about here can continue to be a, a resource and useful to folks. And as people continue to have these conversations about opening up and whatnot, Lord, send your spirit upon us so that we can have a true discerning heart around the why behind uh, why we do what we do and, and, and why we should open up and, and, then, and then start asking those questions of how, how we make this happen. So Lord, just send your spirit upon us because these are tough times. I get it. There's a lot of fear, anxiety, a lot of controversial things to think through. And so uh, we just ask for your guidance you know, that you lead us and, and help us through these times as we begin to reopen up. So Lord, be with us. Continue to be with all those who are, are part of the podcast, the church podcast family. Lord, be with them in their ministry. In your name we pray. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son.